you know, a lot of it's luck and timing, but you got to be ready for it. You know, mm-hmm. when that moment shows up and like, you know, you get thrown the ball, it's like, you know, here you go. You've been practicing gotta, for this yeah. moment, you know, gotta now make it's your play. <laughs> yeah. So that's really it. And, um, so this podcast is about you, your journey in music and nice. how you got to where you are now. Awesome. Sounds good. Awesome. Awesome. I had a chance to speak with Matt uh, a bit about the career of Trivium. So I'd love to get your, your take on it as well. Cause I know you joined a little bit later than uh, those guys kind of started in high school. I believe they got signed in high school. So. Yeah, the band, uh, I mean, the initial like uh, high school years, I think was like 99 and then kind of 2003, 2004 is when Corey and I came into the band. I think the band was signed in maybe early 2004 to Roadrunner. And uh-huh. then 2003, they were signed to like uh, Life Force Records. So that was kind of like when the band sort of uh, shifted from like um, high school band to more legitimate. And then sure. you know, <laughs> just from there, just the touring and stuff kind of like uh, worked our way up the, the ladder, the, the metal ladder. <laughs> sure, sure, I love it. Uh, well, where were you born and raised? Uh, I was born in Miami. I lived in South Florida pretty much all my life. Um, you know, even being in Trivium, I pretty much stayed down in South Florida for most most of my time with the band. Uh, so I'd travel up for rehearsals and stuff. But uh, a couple of years ago, I moved to Chicago, lived there for a few years uh, with my girlfriend. And we moved back last year to Florida, but I actually moved to Orlando. So this is now the first time I've lived in the same hometown as the rest of uh, the band and Alex now lives down in Orlando. So it's actually the first time in Trivium's history where like everyone uh, has pretty much lived in the same town. Oh, that's cool. So how far was Orlando from where you grew up initially? Uh, About three, three and a half hour drive. Okay. So it wasn't too bad. I'd usually, I'd usually come up and stay with Corey and uh, you know, we would always do rehearsal for like a week or two, or if we were doing recording, I would just kind of, if we were working in Orlando, I would just stay up there. So I I practically lived there like a quarter of the year, half the year when we weren't touring. Um, But it made more sense that if I was going to move back to Florida, uh, especially with my girlfriend, it would be a lot nicer to, you know, be able to go to rehearsal and go home every night and stuff like that. So that was kind of the thinking about it, especially with the last year, uh, well, almost two years, just being really a, such a crazy uh, experience. It kind of made us realize how important it is that we can always be close enough to where we can do stuff no matter what, even if mm-hmm. travel's not there, if there's some reason we can't, um, you know, fly in or whatever, that we always can meet up, we can go to our hangar, we can record, we can practice, we can do whatever we need to do, even if touring's not there. Sure. Yeah, you guys have that hangar now, right? Yes. Uh, Matt, yeah. Matt was talking to me about that before it really kind of officially launched. That's amazing. Yeah, it's been crazy to watch it come together piece by piece. Um, you know, we made sure to kind of document that as well. And I think once we get done with this tour, uh, we have some ideas of stuff we want to do. So we'll be able to kind of, um, I guess, show it off properly and sh- kind of show what we want to do with it. Uh outside of just obviously our rehearsal and storage space, you know, we have a lot of ideas and maybe next year we're going to try to build out the studio side of it. That's going to be a project itself. So that's, that's kind <laughs> yeah. of the next big phase. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Well, let's talk about uh, you born and raised in obviously South Florida, but 
how did you get into music? Um, I mean, obviously the, the first kind of thing with music for me was just kind of whatever friends and stuff were listening to. I mean, my first album, well, the first single I ever bought was Presidents of the United States of America, uh, Lump, Peaches, obviously, the oh, big hits. Uh, sure. I really liked them. Um, did you buy that they, record that was, or just the, the no, singles? No, just the singles back then. I, okay. I, I feel like I, that was still at that point where like, you know, uh, records were like 18, 20 bucks. So like, sure. you know, a single might be still like $5. So I'd, I'd buy what I liked. Uh, first album I ever bought was, well, my parents bought, was uh, Tragic Kingdom, No Doubt, which okay. you know, I, I still love that record. I still think it's incredible. Um, sure. You know, that was kind of like my uh first couple things i bought uh you know whatever was on uh mtv or was popular on like pop kind of radio at the time uh -huh. where i guess rock and stuff was still kind of played um and then you know i i started kind of thinking about wanting to play music you know when some of my friends started getting guitars and stuff in school and there was an event called the italian festival at our high school excuse me at our middle school um you know, I wanted to play that. And so my friends and I all kind of picked instruments. I picked bass, started learning music and uh, played our first show at the Italian festival, played like a For Whom the Bell Tolls, Blink-182, The Offspring, you know, that kind of stuff. So it was like a, a kind of a, a mishmash of stuff, you know, but I once I kind of discovered Metallica, that was sort of like the point where I, I started to kind of define like what I liked in music more so than just like trying a little bit of everything and seeing what I, I could do and stuff. And I really it just kind of moved from there. You know, once I, once I got into them, it's like, then you discover Megadeth, you discover Slayer mm -hmm. and it just sort of like kept digging and digging for more and more stuff. That's amazing. I, I, real quick on the presidents of the United States thing. Cause it's funny. Cause I, we're about the same age. I'm like a mm -hmm. little bit older than you. Um, but I had the presence of the United States, the same exact <laughs> single. And it was, I remember it was green. Like it, the, it was the mm. Peaches single. And I think yeah. on one side it was there. And there was a song on there that had like so much bad words, so many bad words. I think it was like a B side. Yeah. I can't yeah, remember yeah. what song it was though. Yeah. That was like, I've, I've always really like, I was actually, I, I listened to that. Um, some of their stuff not long ago. Cause I was just like thinking about that. And I was thinking about how funny, it was that this was a big single, like very, very big um, and very weird and quirky and just um, I, the 90s definitely had that moment where like you, you could really hear so many different things. Um, it was very cool that like a band like that could ever have any sort of mainstream success. Right. I think it was uh, just funny to think about then. I mean, now uh, you just everything is so like tailored to try to be successful that it ends up sounding very flat compared to something that weird that was just right. like you know they probably wrote that and never thought in a million years they'd have probably like a platinum single <laughs> right. uh, or something like that but I you know that's why you know maybe it's not um I don't want to say it's timeless in that like kids are necessarily know about that song but I just think about it sometimes and I'm like I guess in a way it's timeless to me because it's so weird and I think about how weird and funny and like catchy it is and uh, but it, yeah, that is, it is funny thinking back on those like early records I got, of course, uh, the first sublime record, mm -hmm. um, the big 311 record, the blue one, like those were like really big for me in my, 
initial years of picking a bass guitar and just trying to learn stuff. So that's it. So you've always played bass. That was the first instrument <clears throat> you learned. Yeah. Yeah. I picked okay. up guitar second. Um, it was more out of necessity of like, if I was going to write music, which I wanted to write music, I needed to learn guitar as well. So I could show people, you know, the riffs or ideas or chords and stuff. And it was mm -hmm. very glad I did. I mean, it's been very valuable for every project I've been a part of. And of course with Trivium, you know, being able to show Corey and Matt, my ideas uh, specifically on guitar has, has worked well. That's amazing. And well, I'm curious. So after you started that band or the band that you, you played that uh, show at when you guys were younger, the Italian festival, mm -hmm. uh, did that band stay together and start writing originals or did you say as a cover band? Uh, that was really just the, that event specifically. Um, the only thing is that me and Nick, who eventually was in Trivium for a brief uh, moment with, uh, he was with us on in Waves and Vengeance Falls, uh, but we were, we were like childhood friends and stuff. So like we didn't stay with those other guys uh, in the band, but we ended up starting a band uh, called Metal Militia, which I mean, really ran from uh, like the end of middle school into the end of high school for me. A uh, mm -hmm. couple different lineups, but I was always like the mainstay of that project um, and eventually met Trivium through playing shows uh, all around Florida. You know, we, we played a show together uh, in Daytona when Trivium was still a three-piece. Uh, then we played another show in Tampa, this um, very, very short-lived uh, metal festival called Sun and Steel in Tampa. Uh, and that was right when Trivium uh, was signed to Life Force, or actually, I think it had just been signed to Roadrunner, and we're about to do a tour with Iced Earth. Uh, maybe that was a God forbid. I'm not sure if it was God forbid or the Iced Earth tour, but essentially they did the tour, and it was like kind of like only a few months later that I was in the band because they did the first tour. Uh, Brent, who was the original bassist, left, didn't want to tour, mm -hmm. had a fill-in, didn't work, and then... I was looking for a different project. You know, I graduated high school. I was like, okay, I think I've come, come to the end of like me doing everything. I need other people that are like, like-minded in terms of, you know, seriousness and what we want to do. And that was kind of it. You know, that's how it kind of all came together. So you, you knew right away that you wanted to pursue music <clears throat> as a full-time deal. I definitely wanted to try. Um, I, I felt that like, um, at least at the time, you know, like I was serious enough. I, I felt like I had, I had the skill from just playing for so long at that point, you know, and I think that's one of the things for Trivium is we really were ahead of the curve in that like everyone in the band, you know, had been playing in bands and doing stuff for so long that like when we did get our first like big tour, like, you know, my first big tour with them was the Machine Head Chimera tour. And like, now of course those bands were, you know, ahead of us in terms of like just, having records and we're tight and, you know, years and years of experience. But, you know, when we got out there, we were experienced enough to, you know, it, make an impact on some people, you know, and it, that was kind of the thing was those first couple of years was like, you know, really just the, the live shows. I looked the other day on set list FM. I mean, the first year or so in the band, we played like 200 something shows. And then the next year it was like 150, 200 shows. So like, so a lot of, we just were bouncing from tour to tour and trying to just like scoop up as many fans as possible from those shows. And that was like, you know, for us, it was kind of a trial by fire. Like you just get thrown into 
the deep end with all these big bands and stuff and you kind of have to make an impact with um you know back then we only had the two records uh and, and even a lot of those early tours like ascendancy wasn't even out yet so we were playing songs people didn't ever hear and like most people didn't even know ember to inferno so it was really like kind of just a cold open for these uh shows was that hard to do i mean coming out opening up for a band that was established and had the fans probably there for for them you got to be the opener and i would imagine yeah i mean um, i feel like that was kind of like the first three or four years of the band even five years um you know, we started doing headliners not long after Ascendancy came out, but, um, you know, for every tour, we would do like a headliner. And most of that was like headlining in the UK where we, we did have really early success. Um, but everywhere else was really like, you know, doing a headlining tour like the Road Rage tour or, you know, supporting the Crusade, you know, in clubs and stuff and doing OK. Uh, but like, you know, the bigger stuff was like opening for bands and you know, it was always like you're you're trying to prove stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it's just funny now, like, obviously, we're the main support of this tour, but it's like different because, you know, we're not like, we're not like a new band to people, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like most people in the crowd maybe know the name, at least at minimum, know the name, For sure, you know, but, yeah. you know, there are people that don't know us, but enough people know us to where it doesn't feel like we have to spend most of the show trying to be like, hey, you know, we're this band and Right. give us a shot it's like we come in with a lot of history now so it's uh it's a much different uh experience you know but it is still you know a challenge you know you're trying to win those people over in the 40 minutes that don't know you or the people that just you know know you but have never really had that moment for it to click you know and i think the live show is where it clicks for people and i still you know online and in person people always tell us the first time they ever saw us you know and how those moments like really made a big you know impact for them and um you know so I, every show i try to take that serious of like you know there's someone in the crowd tonight this is going to be their first time seeing us and mm-hmm. this could really kind of be the thing that makes or breaks it for us to win that person which is interesting for me to hear because you have 10 10 records and i mm-hmm. you know you're just seeing if if I would imagine a lot of people would just even recognize the name. Like you said, like, Oh, mm-hmm. I know, I know who Trivium is. Yeah. Right? And like to still have that mindset that you're, you need to win these people over is, yeah. is, I mean, yeah, I guess it, it might be something that'll never go away. No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I feel like at this point now, I'm not as surprised, but you think you've like won every single person that you could, you know, and you realize there's just such a big, audience out there there's so many people that don't like know too much about you like outside of like big bands they may know they might not you know they don't maybe go looking for a lot of the bands below the the headliners you know Mm -hmm. so like you got to be one of those bands that um makes an impact you know when we were doing not fest the other day and there's so many good bands on the bill it's like i want our set to be one that they remember you know at the end of the night you know after slipknot plays their set and obviously going to be the he- the uh, highlight of the day probably just with like the spectacle and just you know them being such a great band but it's like I want people to leave and go Slipknot was great and you know I want our name to be also on that list of bands they remember because sure. you know, you're up, up against so much good stuff happening and uh, so yeah it, it's a good challenge and I mean we take it you know serious and uh, you know even on this tour same thing it's like Megadeth, Lamb of God, Hate Breed 
know, everyone's such a great band in their own right. So we have to like do our best to uh, break through and, and, you know, have something special that people leave with. Mm -hmm. For sure. I want, I want to back up a little bit here with uh, Ascendancy and you playing on that record. How did that come about? Like, obviously you knew the guys from tour or playing shows early on, but how did your link happen to, you know, playing with them and joining the band and how did, how did that all kind of come together? So when we did the show in Tampa together, um, they were about to go on tour. I think it was with God forbid and all that remains. Um, and I, I had like pretty much my mom was really helping us as a sort of like manager type figure of the band, you know, obviously with clubs and stuff, because we we're all underage, you know, you right. kind of have to have an adult to help deal with a lot of that stuff. Wasn't Matt's uh, and, dad doing the same thing yeah. for them? Okay. Matt's dad did the same thing. So there's a lot of similarities between our situations, which I think was kind of unique at the time because we were both bands that like were playing stuff that wasn't really popular with like people our age you know i metal militia was definitely a little more thrashy than trivium mm-hmm. um and trivium especially in the early years was really like sort of uh kind of gothenburg um kind of more metalcore type sound you know but there was a little thrash as well with that so there was like kind of this like similarity of like two bands in florida doing something kind of similar so we kind of just kept in touch if anything for just doing shows together in the future uh, and then I met Jason Sukoff, who had done Ember, who had done the Blue Demo. We kind of became friends. And that was really, I feel like, just the connection between, like, my mom and Matt's dad kind of doing the manager stuff and Jason Sukoff being kind of a link as well. That was kind of, like, set up the, you know, essentially the scenario of, like, you know, the guy not working out on that Ice Earth tour created the vacancy. And I was, like, there you know, I was ready for it. I was there. I was willing to relinquish being the front man, being the, you know, the main guy of my project to being a part of the project, which I wanted anyway, at that point, because I was like, it's very tough to do stuff like by yourself, you know, and it's very frustrating when people aren't on the same page as you. And I mean, anyone that's ever been in local bands will know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, there's different varying degrees of seriousness with it. Um, and of course, you know, local band, you're not making much money. So you got to really be either want to do this or, you know, you just probably will take it as a kind of a hobby type thing. And I was not going to be a hobbyist with this. I wanted it to be serious. And so it was like the stars really aligning for us uh, with that. And we did the tour with Machine Head Chimera, the Road Rage tour. Uh, we were the baby band on Roadrunner, unknown really for the most part we didn't even have a record out on roadrunner yet so we were this new band like i think the video for like like the flies was out um not the ascendancy version the the one from ember the demo version uh so i wasn't even on that one yet but then pull harder came out uh oh, not on that tour obviously but pull harder you know we pretty much recorded the video i think for pull harder around then mm-hmm. i want to say or Yeah, it was just essentially we did that tour and like went right into Ascendancy. And then it was like recording it, um, waiting for tours. Felt like, you know, there was a two month gap where it was like nothing happened. It felt like, you know, when's this going to happen? And then, um, you know, we got our wish 2005. It was like every single tour thrown at us. 
uh, a week with Dillinger Escape Plan, uh, wow. two weeks with Danzig, uh, a couple weeks with Fear Factory, you know, Road Rage Tour in uh, UK, a week with Chimera, you know, in the States, just like really kind of like turning one off week at weekend, uh, week long, two week tours into like solid touring, you know? So we were just bouncing around in our van a lot. You know, I feel like we played in Philly and New York, like every couple of weeks for the first couple months of 2005. Um, but it was good. It was like, really like it helped us to kind of hone our skills quite a bit because when we got to Europe, and ascendancy came out like the buzz for us in the uk was just like through the roof and so like that road rage tour in, in the uk uh was just a breakthrough you know it was just like again the, the stars aligned the moment was there and we were ready for it and i think mm -hmm. to me that's always been like the, the big thing i've noticed it's like you know a lot of it's luck and timing but you got to be ready for it you know mm -hmm. when that moment shows up and like you know, you get thrown the ball. It's like, you know, here you go. You've been practicing gotta, for this yeah. moment, you know, gotta now make it's your the play. <laughs> yeah. So that's really it. And, um, you know, we've been lucky that we've had a lot of good timing and maybe it's just cause we've been around a long time. You get more chances for it, but, um, we've no, you know, we've always been like, you know, we gotta be ready when it's that time, when it's that moment. So, mm -hmm. uh, that was kind of it that, I mean, that's kind of been the, the story of Trivium since day one. You know, we, was, we've been given these like really good opportunities. And uh, for the most part, I think most of the time we've uh, made it happen. Sure. Would you say like, was that the first time you had been to Europe on that tour? Or had um, you been prior? I had been to Europe like with family. I My dad's from Italy. So we had some family over there. And, uh, okay. uh, you know, so I had been there, but I mean, much different to play a show there. But my first tour there was the... Uh, tour uh the road rage tour it was like uh -huh. us three inches of blood and uh still remains and um yeah it was just like crazy you know like playing shows here to to people that like on the other side of the world that probably mm -hmm. knew your songs yeah it was and, and the first leg of it was in the uk and um you know it was kind of a it was funny because i'm like those shows were just off the wall like you knew right away something was up because like it felt like we were the the main headliner and we weren't, mm -hmm. it was like all the bands were essentially supposed to rotate. But after like a show or two, we started closing all the shows in, wow. um, in the UK. Cause it was just like uh, undeniable that there was something happening for us with that record. Um, Europe was a little bit more of a back to what we were expecting, which was, you know, playing all these shows to like, you know, a good night, couple hundred people, some nights a little less like you know first time playing in warsaw it's maybe like 70 80 people but you know 70 80 people in warsaw was more than i had ever played to in warsaw because yeah. that was the first time <laughs> right. so it was like you know it's not it was not it like wasn't we one person <laughs> yeah. no it was still great you know it was still fun to play those shows and do the press and you know it was important because you had to kind of get over there and do it but then at the end the big finale was download and you know the kind of like a kind of part of the trivium uh lore now of that show it's almost like mythical at this point you know in the uk it was like we got asked to open the main stage on the saturday so we had to drop a show or two in the in europe mm -hmm. uh and at the time roadrunner wasn't super stoked on that you know we had to cancel a couple shows in europe it was not fun to 
tell people, oh, like, oh, you're not coming to this show. But we had to get to UK a day early because the show was originally on that Sunday. We were playing the third stage with everyone else, but we got asked to do the main stage. So wow. we show up on that Saturday, you know, and obviously people have seen the videos and stuff. It was like 30, 40,000 people showed up to come here and see this band that everyone was talking about for the last few weeks. Because if you didn't see us on the Road Rage tour, you know, the maybe couple thousand people that saw us at those Road Rage shows told everyone about the Road Rage shows. And like leading up to download, like five, six weeks later, it was like a wildfire, you know, spreading. And uh, there was a lot of interest in us. There's a lot of interest in the sentency. Uh, it, it was like a really um, kind of a crazy moment, you know, to, to experience that level of attention and yeah. uh, praise you know <laughs> definitely uh uh it was exciting and it was uh a lot of fun to be a part of i'm sure roadrunner wasn't too upset after that <laughs> no no definitely right away it was not a problem after that because i mean the the debut in the uk was like was great and i mean it was only like i said it was just like just set it off i mean everything mm -hmm. like we had a silver record and a gold record no time uh, which was really wild for us. I don't, like we were not expecting that. And then we had two headline tours that we did on Ascendancy in the UK, both completely sold out. Uh, wow. First one was like, you know, these club shows. And then the second one, we were even playing in like bigger halls and venues, like places like Motorhead plays and, you know, we're selling it out. So it was like a real, real shock, you know, um, mm -hmm. but it really set us up for, being able to tour in Europe, you know, because Europe took a lot longer to kind of crack, you know, it wasn't until really in waves that it all kind of fell into place. But being able to tour in the UK like that helped us to kind of push into the into Europe. Um, you know, it's kind of the same in the US. We've been working at it for so long, you know, it took us a while, but we kind of cracked the code of like what works and how to get things uh, to work in our favor here. And, you know, so now it's like, I feel like this tour is kind of a culmination of a lot of this uh effort that we put in all these years and of course the last two years having no shows and stuff it was sort of like a um a, in a weird uh way it kind of worked like to kind of reset things you know like there's no right. shows and stuff i feel like people kind of like now that everything's back it's like or somewhat back kind of um, back <laughs> you know people uh people are kind of like yeah i want to see this band you know like maybe like thinking about it like if they have like the choice now it's like you know so many options to go see bands and uh i mean the tour itself has been a, like such a success and i feel like mm -hmm. people are really enjoying just the lineup and everything you know but for us it feels good because it's like you know this is everything we've been working towards so it seems to be going in the right direction for sure i mean what what was it like coming out on a stage for the first time in probably a year and a half emotional yeah it was just like felt good you know it just felt like normal again right. um like uh flying out was even weird it was like this feels normal like us getting together at the airport and um heading out on the road together getting on the bus getting settled in you know all the like little things that you just were doing forever like multiple times a year and then mm -hmm. just not doing it and so felt good uh, I mean that's really the thing for me it just felt normal and good and you know we had like two years at home and it was amazing and uh you know, obviously the two months prior to the tour, like I, uh, I had a daughter and then Alex has a daughter, like literally born two days apart. It was like all this wow. crazy stuff happening. 
you know, all this like all this like life changing stuff. Um, while we also made the record and all that stuff, so it was like a very busy year at home. Um, and you know, coming off this tour, you know, going home tomorrow, it's going to be interesting because like I haven't had that like experience of coming home from a tour in just as long as I haven't experienced going on tours. So uh-huh. that's going to be really fun to kind of like you know that part of it i always love you know when you've had a fun tour but it's time to come home and you know that that's a good feeling as well and now obviously with having a daughter just a whole new thing to kind yeah, of have. get to go home to her that's amazing <laughs> yeah well, your new record's coming out next month uh, comes out october 8th so yeah almost two or, weeks like two weeks tell me about that yeah. album. was that something that was started prior to the covid lockdown thing or was that a record you guys started after the fact well, it was not in the cards at all because we had well we were we released the last record what the dead men say in april of uh when was it last year or the year before um and so the plan was the to tour like normal you know year and a half two years of touring move on to the next record you know so we really were just like once it became apparent this tour was getting moved like we knew everything was going away and it was mm-hmm. like okay um well we're going to do the big stream event a lighter distant mirror that that's going to be our touring for what the dead men say essentially it's one big show um one big ticketed show and of course we did the two little diy kind of twitch shows we did on matt stream the mm-hmm. deepest cuts which was like real fun just playing songs that we don't normally play but we knew, okay, after a lighter distant mirror, it's time for the record. We're going to start working on it. We're going to sell Roadrunner, give my heads up, let them know what we're doing. And, you know, they were like at first a little shocked that we wanted to work on a new record. Uh, we told them that we did have some ideas that we wanted and that we would have enough time that if things weren't really sounding good and you weren't pleased, we could just kind of take our time with it and get it right. So I think there was like the understanding that like, we were going to take our time and we weren't going to rush this. And uh, we didn't, we did take our time. And uh, so the, the pandemic, um, you know, it opened up that possibility for a new record a lot sooner. Um, so we'll never know what the album 10 in another timeline is like when we have a bit of touring and we come off the road and do that. But I can say without a doubt, I think it would be much different than this one um, mm-hmm. because I think, one, like all of us moving to Florida to live together in the same area to write and record this record, to kind of make that that call to do that was not in the cards at all. You know, that was not a plan we had. The hangar was not a plan we had. Um, I think we could have definitely had something like that eventually, but I don't think we were thinking that far ahead yet. You know, it's sometimes you got to like have something just be that um, that that's like spark uh that like kind of sets you going down a different path than you maybe were thinking and uh i don't want to say the covid has been a a good thing because right. it's definitely not been uh but it was like uh the the crisis that happened and that we responded by doing some stuff that we weren't thinking about before but it it presented itself and we took the opportunity you know the hangar the album the live streaming event all of us moving to orlando just very very big changes uh, but it was a big, uh, you know, it's been a big, crazy couple of years. So um, we responded by doing something to 
I guess, something more positive out of all this craziness. Um, and I'm, I'm excited for people to hear this record because I felt it was a challenge, you know, to follow up a record so soon and to follow mm -hmm. up two records that were pretty well received, I think. Uh, for us, we're in a kind of a new space. Um, I think we're in a place where like people look at us and they, they see a band that's like very consistent and delivers when it's time. And, um, you know, I didn't want to like feel like we dropped the ball at all. I don't want to, I don't want the bar that we've been raising consistently for the last two records to like dip a little bit and be like, we know what the last record was a little better. Maybe they should have waited a little bit. Maybe they rushed it too much. And I'm glad the people that have heard it have pretty much said that like those kind of fears were alleviated very quickly when they heard the record and just how, how much more um, dynamic, how much heavier and just the, I guess the scope of like the record and the ambition and, and what we were trying to do was pulled off. So I'm happy with that because we took the time and it was nice living with it, but I'm, I'm happy for people to hear it soon. You know, that's sure. the, that's the best. Like when people actually hear it and be like, okay, these guys have been, what the, this is what they've been up to. <laughs> right. Right. How quickly did the record come together? Was it something that you guys spent quite a bit of time on? It fairly quickly. Um, I mean, we started writing in August together. I mean, we all had like riffs and ideas and like, honestly, if tomorrow someone said to write a song, we could have a song. Cause like we always have riffs and ideas. So like, oh, okay. there's no shortage of any of that. The main thing with a record is figuring out what the vibe is going to be, what the direction is for me. That's the, that's the big key is like the first song or two dictates it. If first song or two doesn't feel right, you know, it's not going to go, you, you just can't like just throw a bunch of stuff songs together I always feel like when you write with purpose, it just results in much better like recording process. Uh, you're not going off on tangents. You're not wasting time on stuff. Like once we had like the first song, which I think was fall into your hands. Um, it was like, okay, well this sounds like a lot, like it's going to be a little bit more ambitious. Um, one of the things I, I suggested to everyone in the band when we first started was that we not get too crazy with like trying to over demo stuff ourselves and come in with like full ideas and concepts. Let's try to jam this stuff in the loosest possible form, meaning just, you know, have some ideas, a place to start from, but from there, let's just write riffs in the room. Mm -hmm. Let's just like take our time with it uh, and, you know, give ourselves a little time to build these songs, especially the longer ones. And, uh, you know, have um, time to like write lyrics and get good vocals and stuff and, we did some demos with vocals at my place with Matt and, you know, then we get Josh involved and um, it's pretty much like we had Josh pretty much to ourselves for like a couple months. So we just like went into full sale uh, in Orlando mm -hmm. and uh, pre-production turned into the actual recording. And, you know, we took like a good week for pre-production with Josh, which is actually a long time for us because normally we're pretty like, ready to go when we hit the studio so it was like it, it was like we we intentionally slowed things down a bit you know we weren't trying to like break any guinness book of world records with like how fast we could because <laughs> we had no touring so it was like it's gonna take as long as it takes and uh i mean we didn't even get the final mix and master until probably like april or may because josh had a couple things he had to do so he had to take a break from mixing 
for a couple of weeks and then we started back up and we got that done and we got the master. Then we didn't like exactly how the master sounded because of the mix, something on the mix. So we went back and we actually adjusted a couple things. Then we got another master and yeah. And then we got it ready and we were just like, you know, the painting was uh, done by then. It took about three months. Uh, we had ideas for like, you know, what the videos and stuff were going to be. So it was like a lot of work going on behind the scenes for us, you know, even though nothing was happening. And then of course, we just had our fingers crossed for the tour. It was like, you know, what's it going to be? And uh, of course it did get moved a little later to August, but it worked out good for us with all the new newborns and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it was a little bit shorter, which actually I think now I'm actually happy. It was like this amount of dates. Um, the original was like a pretty beefy tour. So I, oh, really? I think, uh, yeah, it was like 40 shows, I think. Oh, wow. I mean, you still did a lot of shows. The, yeah, the last this is a big tour. Kind of got postponed, right? Your, your yeah, last so show's tonight. Last show's tonight, Minneapolis. Um, but uh, hopefully, we're we're uh, we're it's feeling good. Like there could be possibly a second leg of the tour, which I think with the success of this and the fact that we were able to finish it and have no cancellations of any shows was very very good. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think. Uh, leg two if it happens you know sometime next year i hope that we can make up any shows we canceled from the original and maybe add in some more that weren't on there that's awesome well i'm i would imagine tonight's gonna be insane <clears throat> it's another sellout yeah. which is huge yeah. and uh then you get to go home to your family that's awesome yeah you know can't can't complain it's it's been a it's been nice to have like you know the thing you love the most come back you know mm -hmm. you, you know this is like the this and recording of course I love both things but I mean this is a big part of it like a lot of the inspiration and ideas come from doing the shows and being out and just like I don't know it's like you're in you're focused and you're so immersed in what you love and what you're doing that um it's just like a, a necessary part and I'm glad we were able to make this record without that um I was kind of curious like you know what would a record without touring sound like on the follow-up you know you know what wh how do we inspire ourselves with none of the stuff that normally inspires us like i said like the travel mm -hmm. the shows the you know hanging out the all the kind of stuff that goes into it and uh you know i'm very pleased with the results but i am looking forward to like you know touring these next couple of years because we're really touring for two records and so i think uh i hope that the the years of touring to come like really inspire something special on the next one. You know, I, I we're definitely going to take album 11, whenever that is just as serious as album 10, just as serious as every prior one and mm -hmm. try to top ourselves, try to find something new to add in there if we can. And uh, yeah, that's kind of like, that's just pretty much for me and for everyone in the band. That's like our thing, you know, just really trying to stay inspired and, 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 you know, feel like a band that's relevant and that's trying and, uh, you know, not giving up, you know, not kind of getting into the cruise control years of nostalgia and stuff. It could be very easy, especially with 10 records. I mean, mm -hmm. it's uh, tempting, you know, because it, it is easy to kind of do. <laughs> yeah, fall back into just playing the, the classic hits and mm -hmm. just doing that as a set. Yeah, it's it, you know, it's always there. And, you know, maybe once we get to, um, the couple more records we can do what maiden does where you just tour on 
and say like, hey, we're going to do this era of the band, you know, right. and then the next tour <laughs> is for the new record. And then the next is like, this is the nostalgia, this era of the band tour and then do a new record. You know, they've actually mastered their, the way they do their touring. I think it's incredible. I think, uh, and it's like, they've been able to stay uh, relevant and and exciting and and keep making music they love but also they have such a catalog that like you know oh, yeah. it's undeniable they can Ridiculous. just tour they can just throw a dart at the board and hit a record and be like we're gonna play these two records tonight you know and they would be a freak classic out. set and <laughs> right. even if it doesn't have half the big songs it still feels good so that's right that's what we're trying to build towards it's like where you know we play 40 minutes tonight and um it's mostly new stuff and the vibe of the show is like we're playing older classics to a bunch of like, you know, diehard Tribune fans. So that's really the thing. It's like being able to make that music that still connects like that. And, uh, mm-hmm. But it's hard. 40 minutes picking a set, you know. Yeah, especially with two, two records, right? I mean, two yeah, newer ones. Not easy. Because you want to get not in easy. those songs, I would imagine. Yeah, it's not easy because, uh, you know, people have been listening to those for a couple of years and want to hear them. But they also want to hear maybe a big older song, too. So. We're always trying to uh, balance it out, you know, and the shorter the set, the harder it becomes. <laughs> for sure. Well, Paula, thank you so much, man, for, for doing this. I know you, you, you've had a big, long tour. You got to sell a show tonight that you have to prepare for, but <clears throat> I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah. I do have one more question before I let you go. I want to know mm-hmm. if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, it, it's definitely... Um, like on one hand it's never been easier to make music never been able or easier to distribute the music and stuff like that but to to get people to care is a very tough thing even for a band our size and with the resources that we have um i think the main thing is just like you know kind of being aware of like how much it takes to get people into what you do and not to get discouraged when it doesn't happen right away Uh, and to always be very introspective when things don't work because the one thing I've noticed is like when stuff goes bad, a lot of projects, a lot of acts, a lot of artists, first thing to do is to kind of like look for others around them that maybe drop the ball, which, you know, maybe that is something that could happen. But, you know, always think about like, what did you do that maybe didn't work and why? And not to like always look for someone else to kind of put that blame on if it doesn't work, you know, because I think what you'll learn is you'll learn something about yourself and your music and your project that um maybe you needed to change or update or maybe you needed to focus on more you know that's always a big thing so stay introspective never lose like sight that you're like the main thing you know and that's like a lot of the um i guess the sort of like decisions and stuff should fall on you you know don't always look for someone else to kind of pin the blame on with stuff so I think that can work on any level. I don't think that's just necessarily like a big band thing. Like if you're in a local band, you know, same thing, you know, just always stay grounded and introspective with your, your project. Bring it back, bring it back.